Good morning. How's everyone going? Good? Good to be in God's house, isn't it? Beautiful worship. Thanks, team. I'm going to share some scriptures with you this morning to start. So we'll start with Matthew 19, verse 14. It says, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Mark 10, verse 13 to 16, in the message version, says, The people brought children to Jesus, hoping he might touch them. The disciples shooed them off, but Jesus was irate and let them know it. Don't push these children away. Don't ever get between them and me. These children are at the very centre of life in the kingdom. Mark this. Unless you accept God's kingdom in the simplicity of a child, you'll never get it. Then gathering the children up in his arms, he laid his hands of blessing on them. One more. Matthew 18, verse 2 to 3. He called a little child to him. And placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change. I love the word change. Remember that. Unless you change. And become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So there's obviously a process in learning to become like little children when it comes to our faith. Because that word says change, actually needs to be a change that takes place in us. There's a transformation in us as we learn to become like little children. It doesn't just happen, there actually has to be a change and a transformation for that to take place. So it seems pretty essential that we actually learn how to be like little children with our faith. It actually seems quite important that we learn how to become like little children when it comes to our faith and that we learn to have a relationship with Father, when we learn to have a relationship with Abba as his children. So I'm going to share a little bit this morning about little children. And we all know what little children are like, don't we? We've had little children, we've observed little children, we've taught little children, we've been in little stars or shine with little children. So let's just talk a little bit about little children this morning. So one of the things about little children is that they just believe, don't they? Children just believe. You can tell them anything, little children, and they're going to believe it. You could tell them the most extraordinary thing, the craziest story, the most wackiest out there thing, and they're going to believe it, yeah? Because little children just believe. Now, we have always told our children, and I don't know if it was the best thing, but we have always told our children that smoking kills you, okay? We didn't beat around the bush. We really wanted to avoid them travelling down that road. So we've told our children smoking kills you. So that's probably my fault. I'm going to take all that. I don't know if Andrew was quite, quite as aggressive on that tact. When I was growing up, my dad smoked and I used to hang no smoking signs um, around the house. I made up like my own non-smoking zones and I hung them all around the house. 
Although I did actually end up smoking for quite a number of years when I grew up. But you know what? God is so good and he just, um, he can do anything. So we've told our children that smoking kills you. But the adverse cost of that is that my dad smokes and my brother smokes. So after we'd just been visiting my dad or my brother one day, the children asked me when Pop and Uncle Ben were going to die because they actually literally thought they were going to die. So they asked for a timeline of how long I actually thought they were going to live. So children believe whatever you tell them, yeah? When I was a child, my parents told me about Santa. You know, they taught me about reindeers. When I was a child, I learned about the tooth fairy. I learned about the Easter bunny. I learned about all these things and they were a reality. I was a little child and I believed everything that my parents told me. So children just believe, don't they? Children just believe. So I have a question for you. Do you believe? I'm going to ask lots of questions this morning. Not necessarily going to give you answers, but I would like you to think a little bit. Do you believe everything God says about you? Do you believe what God says about you? Do you believe how God feels about you? And do you believe the promises that God actually declares over your life? Do you believe that stuff? Do you actually believe it? When you're sitting there in a moment in your kitchen and nobody else is there and you're just having that moment, do you really believe what God says about you? Do you really believe how God feels about you and what God speaks over you? If you don't know how he feels about you, just pick up the Bible get it on your phone, get it in paper form, pick it up and read it and discover how he feels about you. Children ask questions, don't they? Children love to ask questions. Why? 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 Children love to ask questions. They love to understand, but they love to believe. So questions are good. Questions are healthy, but at the end of the day, when the questions are ended, the children choose to believe, yeah? And children dream about the future, don't they? Children actually dream about the future. They're excited about the future. They're like, what am I, who am I going to become? What am I going to do? What are, my, what are my gifts? Kids actually dream about that stuff. Kids dream about who they're going to become. In Shine, a couple of weeks ago, we were asking all the kids, what they wanted to do when they grew up. And we heard about children that wanted to be vets. We have three children in Shine that want to be vets, okay? Lots of children love animals. We have children that want to be scientists. We have children that want to be game designers. We have children that want to be AFL players. We have children that want to be dancers and actresses. You know, we have children that are dreaming about the things that they're going to do. We have children that are dreaming about this future and how it's going to unfold and how they're actually going to get to this place of fulfilling their dreams. They're actually excited and expectant about the future, um, about the future that they have. So my question is, are you? <laughs> because God wants you to be. God absolutely, totally, 
wants you to be. There is no doubt in those children's minds that they are going to become those people. My son, Samuel, he wants to become an AFL player. If you have a conversation with him, he will tell you all about it. He knows exactly how it's going to happen. He has a training regime. The days he's not um, training at AFL or playing AFL, he has a training regime. So they do a six-pack workout at home. They get on the treadmill. They get their weights out. He has like a whole regime. He has like an eating routine. He can't eat too much sugar. You know, he has to eat really healthy. He has it all sorted about how he's actually going to become this AFL player. It's a reality for him. It's his dream, but it's actually a reality for him. And he even knows what he's going to do after that. I said, well, Samuel, it's really important to think about studying as well. And, you know, you should probably go to uni as well just to have that. And he goes, yes, mum, I know. So I'm going to be an AFL player. Then I'm going to be a coach. Then I'm going to be a commentator. But while I'm playing AFL, I'm going to go to uni too, mum, because, you know, they encourage you to study while you're playing. So I'll get my degree as well while I'm being an AFL player. So he has it sorted, you know. He's got it all sorted, but he is like dreaming. He's thinking. He's like it's all going on in his mind about how am I going to be this person? How am I going to use my gifts? How am I going to do the thing that God's called me to do? It's like it's all going on. He's not thinking there's no chance that's going to happen. There's 55,000 other children that want to be that. You know, I, I don't know if I've got what it takes. He's dreaming and he's dreaming and he's dreaming like a little child about who he wants to become yeah and God wants us to dream God has called us to dream so are you dreaming are you dreaming about the future are you dreaming about the future God has for you because he wants you to be and so I have a scripture that God just gave me this morning so it's not on the thing but I have a couple I believe it's a bit of a word Joel 2 28 says and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions so I actually want to declare that the dreams aren't just for the young yeah the dreams aren't just if you're under 20 years of age. The dreams aren't just if you're under 40 years of age. This, the Bible says, your old men shall dream dreams. So old men, there's a stirring this morning. If you're a bit wiser, if you're a bit more mature, there's actually a dream that God wants to plan in your heart. There's something that God wants to stir up in you. Acts 2.17 says, and in the last days it shall be. God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. So there's some dreaming that needs to happen. Numbers 12 verse 6 says, And he said, Hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I the Lord make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. So God wants to release some dreams, yeah? God wants to reignite some dreams. God wants to stir up some dreams. God wants to give you some new dreams. And God actually speaks to us in dreams too. So be prepared 
that might be a stirring. You might think, I'm just going to have a great sleep tonight. You know what? God's going to give you a dream. God's going to stir something up inside of you. So we're just going to declare releasing of dreams this morning. So we'll just pray. I thank you, Lord. I thank you that you have a God-given dream and a God-given destiny for each and every one of us. I thank you that it's not age-determined, God, or our place in life-determined, Father, but at every stage and in every moment, Lord, you have a dream to release, Lord. I thank you that you want us to dream about the future and be excited about the days to come and what we're walking into, Lord. I thank you that we are never called to the mundane and the ordinary Father. So bring a release of fresh dreams, God, things that we have forgotten about. Reignite, Father. Stir dreams in Jesus' name and show us the steps, Lord. Show us the next step to take, Lord, because you're so good. I love, God, that you show us one step and you say, do this. And we take that step. And then you show us the next step and the one after and the one after. You so walk with us and talk with us and journey with us. So I thank you that in the fulfillment of the dream, you're there. Every moment, every step, God. So may there just be a heavenly releasing and stirring of fresh dreams, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. God is good. Let's, let's let him do what he needs to do this morning. <laughs> when children get hurt, what happens? Little children. What happens when little children get hurt? Is it a quiet affair? It can be interactive. You can yell out. Is it a quiet affair? Do they go, oh, really hurt my knee? Or do they go, ah! <laughs> what happens? Yesterday, my son fell out of a tree. These are just kind of normal things that happen in our home all the time. <laughs> My son fell out of a tree and there was like a whole lot of screaming going on. Uh, you don't know if things are broken, if people are unconscious, like because from the sound of the screaming, you would think it's like a life and death situation. It's, um, it's pretty full on. So when kids get hurt, they scream, don't they? They scream, they yell, they make a whole lot of noise until their mum and dad come to comfort them. I actually think my kids love to get hurt on purpose, just so they can get embraced and loved. Seriously, when we go play football, there's like this whole dramatic thing, you know, that goes on. So we play football for a while, we go down to um, Damascus or Buninyong, and we just kick the footy and they love to fall over and pretend they're like really hurt. So we're playing, someone falls over, they're on the ground, there's like no movement, there's no sound and they will not move until you go hug them. They will not move until you just go give them some love and make sure that they're all right. So generally, when you give them a little bit of love, kids are okay, aren't they? Except under extreme circumstances. Sometimes hospital visits are necessary. (laughs) We just found out that Nathan broke his hand. So it's been broken for like four weeks. <laughs> Any parenting tips you want? Just come see us. We're so good at it. It's actually the second time there's been a broken bone that we've been unaware of in the family. <laughs> so Samuel broke his finger once and we just told him to get over it and everything was okay. And he just kept complaining for about a week and then we found out his ring. But his finger was broken. 
So Nathan's a bit tougher. He's like a bit less of a, um, doesn't make as much noise when he's hurt. So Nathan's a bit tougher. So he must have heard it playing footy. We're not even sure of the exact moment because they're kind of always playing footy. So he just complained maybe a couple of times, really. Two, three times just said his hand was sore, but nothing really serious. And then we went to the doctor for something else. And I said, why don't you show the doctor your hand? Just to kind of... Um, I didn't really think there was any serious, anything seriously wrong with it. I just suggested he show the doctor to make him feel better. And the doctor goes, ah, oh, well, we'll just x-ray that. So we went to the x-ray place and they did the x-ray. And um, the x-ray gentleman said, yeah, his hand's broken. Nathan goes, yes, yes. <laughs> he was stoked. He was like, yes, I'm so tough. My hand's broken. It's been broken for like four weeks. Yes. <laughs> so he was like celebrating that his hand was broken. Anyway, we have been to the hospital and it's actually nearly completely healed. Apparently the bone has like mended lovely, and, you know. So God is good. God is good. I have been praying a lot for that hand. But you know what? The thing about kids is when they get hurt, the kids don't phone a friend. Do you know what I mean? Do they? They don't go, oh, hang on. I'm just going to get on Facebook and, um, you know, or I'm just going to go on Instagram and message my friend that I'm hurt. Kids don't do that. Kids don't go, oh, I'm just going to run to the freezer and grab a whole tub of ice cream and eat the whole thing because that's going to make me feel better. They don't, do they? They don't do it. They go, oh, hold on. I'm just going to have three glasses of wine because that's going to make me feel much better. Kids don't do that, do they? They just scream and they scream and they scream until their parents come and they receive that love. Yeah? So I have a question. So why is it that for us it's so easy to run to other stuff than to run to God? Like, why is it that it seems to be so much easier to run to all these other places when we have this father that just stands with open arms? Not a father like this, I can't believe you did that. I just can't believe, are you serious? You just fell and broke your arm, really? Did you, were you even thinking about what you were doing? That is not the father. Sometimes that's Andrew. <laughs> that's why I could do such a good impersonation. <laughs> but we have this father that stands with open arms. Open arms. Like his arms never close except to embrace you. His arms are never shut except to love on you. His arms never close except when you're running and he just grabs hold of you and loves you. So why is it? What is it about us, you know? I'm including myself in this. What is it that makes it easier to run to other stuff than to run to God? Because I'm not sharing it to make you feel guilty. Don't sit there and think, oh my gosh, I'm terrible. I do this and I do that. It's not about that. It's actually about discovering together that there's a better way of actually discovering together, you know what, there's a father. There's a father that just stands there with arms wide open, with love wide open, with love that is unconditional. 
Doesn't matter what you do, doesn't matter what you say, doesn't matter how messy you get, doesn't matter how ugly it looks, he stands there with arms wide open. So there's an opportunity. There's such an opportunity for us. This is like, this is an opportunity for our lives to be kind of radically changed. There is such an opportunity for us to choose to run. Yeah, to choose to run to him, not from him. To choose to run into these arms of love, to choose to run into this embrace, to choose to run to this father that is only going to embrace us, that is only going to love on us, that is only going to comfort us and then empower us, yeah, to step out of that stuff. Children are transparent. I love this. Who's had a really embarrassing moment because of their little kids? Ross, I'm sure I've had a lot. Andrew, <laughs> I was trying to think of something. I wasn't able to, but I know there's been quite a few. <laughs> so who's been embarrassed because you've just had one of those moments? One of those days. One of those, we call them faith moments. You can just take the term if you want. Whenever you embarrass yourself or do something really stupid, we call it a faith moment. It's okay. Faith loves it that we call it that because faith is really good at doing stuff like that. Faith is amazing and embarrassing herself and saying totally the wrong thing when she shouldn't and just putting her foot in it. So we've given it a name. We should get like a trademark, shouldn't we? We should like trademark faith moments. So if you ever really embarrass yourself, can just call we call it a faith moment. So kids are really good at letting stuff like that out of the bag, aren't they? Kids are really, really good at that. They just say it how it is, they tell it how it is. Nathan told me the other day, well, no, it was a while ago actually. But Nathan told me I have a wobbly bum. So you've got a really wobbly bum, mum. I'm like, thank you, Nathan. That's awesome. I feel so good now. Definitely gonna go out, have an amazing day. <laughs> And then a couple of weeks ago, he actually told me, Mum, you're lying to everyone. Mum, you're lying to everyone. Because your hair, it's not really blonde. <laughs> it's not really blonde. So you're lying to everyone. You're lying to everyone. It's really brown. I'm like, yes, I know, Nathan. <laughs> Like, I actually do tell people I colour it if they ask. I'm not really lying to everyone. So kids are just so good at kind of putting it out there, aren't they? Like when my son Samuel goes to visit my mum, I'm kind of like in this trepidation thing. I'm like, oh, what's he going to say? You know, if we have not been perfect parents and perfectly married for like the last six months, my mum's going to hear all about it. You know, kids just love to like to share things, don't they? They just love to put it out there. So there's a lady that I work with and on Friday she told me that the other day um, she got a call from the school because she was supposed to pick her son up from school and she was running late. So her son was talking to the teacher and said, oh, do you want me to call your mum because she's running late? She should be here. And he goes, no, she's probably just napping. Yeah, my mum, she just loves to nap. She just loves to nap. She's probably just napping. And she actually was napping. 
<laughs> she said she quite often falls asleep. So kids just kind of put it out there, don't they? So my question is, why as adults do we now think we have to become so guarded? Yeah? Why as adults do we think that we now have to have this facade? You know, have to like have it all together. We can't be like going through anything. We can't be struggling. We can't be doing it tough. Like why is that? Who told us that? Who told us that like it, that it's not okay to go through stuff? Who told us that we have to have it all together? Who told us that you can't say that? Who told us that you can't do that? Yeah? Because someone's been lying to us. Yeah? Someone's been lying to us and it's not God. It's actually not our Father. So whose voice have we been listening to? Yeah? Whose voice have we been listening to? Whose voice is it that says, oh, you can't share that, what will they think of you? <laughs> Whose voice is it that says, oh, don't tell people what's going on because you know what? They might change how they think about you. They might change how they see you. They might not like you anymore. Oh, if they really know what you're like when you go home, they're definitely not, not going to want to do life with you anymore. Whose voice is it that tells us that? Whose voice is it that says all that? Yeah? Because God calls us to vulnerability. Yeah? He says, have faith like little children. Little children are vulnerable. Little children are transparent. <laughs> little children love to share everything that's going on. They just share it all, don't they? God wants us to come a bit more like little children, yeah? God wants us to remove the mask. So what would it look like if we could become more like little children and share with the right person? That's really important when we're struggling. What would it look like if we could bring hidden things to the light? Because the Bible says that when we bring hidden things to the light, the power is gone over that stuff in our lives. The Bible says that when we bring hidden things, when we bring um, the darkness to the light, that we actually get set free. So could it be that in sharing with the right person, could it be in being vulnerable that we're actually able to be set free from things, yeah? Because when you share stuff, the power it had over you is gone. And we don't have to tell everybody. You don't have to tell everybody. But we do need to tell somebody, yeah? And we need to be wise, yeah? In who the right person is. Pick someone who's who's living the kind of life that you want to be living. Don't pick someone that's struggling with the same thing because if they're struggling with it, then they're probably not going to yet know how to help you with it. Pick someone that's overcome that thing. Pick someone that's a bit further along in the journey 
so that they actually can get alongside of you and journey with you and help you through that thing, yeah, and bring you to the other side. Because who knows, they've probably been through something similar when they've walked through it and now they want to walk through it with you. I love what David Tenson said last weekend. He was so good that we all have an inbuilt desire to be known, to be seen, to be heard. You know, we have this inbuilt desire, you know, that he said, into me, see. Into me, see. So we're created to be seen. We're created to be heard. We're created into me, see, with Father God and with others. It's actually part of our divine makeup. So what could the freedom be like? What could the freedom look like, feel like, that we could live in and experience if we actually chose to be transparent with the right people? If we allowed the right people into me, see. Freedom from things that we're struggling with. Freedom from stuff that's been weighing us down. Freedom from stuff that is just consuming our minds. Freedom to actually dream again. Freedom to be that person God's created us to be. Freedom to be excited about the days ahead and to be dreaming about the days ahead because I really believe that God is calling us to be those people, yeah? We actually kind of work against our God-given design if we're not doing that because it's part of our divine makeup. It's who we are. We're created for intimacy. We're actually created for intimacy with Father God and with the right people. So when we're not doing that, we're actually working against our divine makeup. We're actually hindering the people that God's created us to be. It's like we're actually working against God, like we're actually pushing God away. We're working against who we're actually created to be. That's something to really think about, isn't it? Children are not self-sufficient, are they? They don't pay the mortgage. <laughs> be awesome if they did. <laughs> they can't drive themselves to football practice or school or to doctor's appointments. They can't go and do all the shopping at the supermarket. They're not self-sufficient, are they? They kind of need us for a whole lot of things. Little children can't make dinner yet. Little children can't do most things for themselves. They actually need us to do pretty much everything for them. They can't pay their school fees. Yeah, They actually know that they're completely reliant on us, don't they? See, if my children want something, I don't go ask the next door neighbour. They come and see me, yeah? Or they don't try and drive themselves to the IGA because they're feeling hungry. They actually ask me to drive them to the IGA. So what would it be like if we took all our needs to our Heavenly Father and just knew that he was going to come through for us? 
my kids know if they ask for something to eat, they're going to get it. They know if they need to go to the doctors, I'm going to take them. If they need help with homework, I'm going to help them. Philippians 4.19 says, You can be sure that God will take care of everything you need. His generosity exceeding even yours in the glory that pours from Jesus. You can be sure that God will take care of everything you need. His generosity exceeding even yours. So if you think you're generous, God's more than generous. We had an amazingly generous friend in Melbourne and I know I've shared this story before because there was a couple of them that got together and they bought Andrew a television just as a surprise gift. Now in those days, that was probably 10, 12 years ago, flat screen TVs were pretty spectacular with surround sound systems and they just turned up on our doorstep one day, put the gigantic box there, rang the doorbell and then everybody ran and hid to watch Andrew's expression as he came out. And you know what, they were so generous. Just a friend of ours, Louisa, she kind of instigated the whole thing and she was just this woman of extreme generosity. She would just always be blessing you. She would always be doing super extravagant things for you. But you know what, God is way more generous than that. God is so much more generous than that. We, it, it doesn't even compare. So I have another question. So why do we think we have to do it all on our own? Yeah? Why do we think we have to do it all alone when we have a loving father and a loving family that God's created for us? Yeah? Why do we choose to make it so much tougher for ourselves when we have a heavenly father that actually so wants to step in and be everything that we need. Why do we choose to journey alone when his de desire is for us to journey together? And why do we try and be self-sufficient when we're created to be God-sufficient? Yeah? Yeah? Because the world teaches us to be self-sufficient, but we're actually created to be God-sufficient. We're not self-sufficient people. We're God-sufficient people. Yeah? God's created us to be dependent upon him. It's actually how he's created us to be. Because he doesn't want us to be stressed or anxious or worried or overwhelmed about all the stuff that's going on in our world. And he knew that stuff like that could happen. That's why he created us to be God-sufficient. So instead of being overwhelmed, instead of crumbling with the pressure, he's actually able to just be all that we need. We're created to be God-sufficient. And you know why too? Because <laughs> God wants to love on us at our worst moment. God wants to love on us at our ugliest moments, what we perceive to be our ugliest moments, yeah? 
God wants to love on us when we don't have it all together, when we don't know all the answers, when we don't have everything we need, when we've just made such a mess of things, when, when we're just sitting in the, mess, in the messiest mess we've ever been in. He wants to show us how loved we are right in that. He actually wants to create a God moment to come into that space and to show you how loved you are, to show you how accepted you are, to be everything that you need. He actually wants to step in to those places, yeah, so that you know no matter how it looks, no matter how messy this is, no matter how ugly this is, I am loved. I am so loved. Other people would reject me, but God loves me. Other people would judge me, but God accepts me. He actually wants to step into those moments for us. But if we're self-sufficient, he can't do it. Because we're like, it's okay, God. I've got it all together. It's okay, God. I've got it sorted. I can handle this. I'm like, I'm a really self-sufficient woman. I'm really talented. I'm really strong. I don't need you. And we try to be self-sufficient. But he actually wants to come in and go, I so love you. I'm so for you. I am your greatest ambassador. I just champion you. I want to meet you in this. That's what he wants to do. But when we're self-sufficient, we're actually preventing God from stepping in and being the father that he wants to be. Yeah? God just so loves you. John 10.10, 10, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. God wants to give you a rich and satisfying life. So if your life isn't rich and satisfying, God has more. <laughs> if you're not walking in richness and awesome satisfaction, God wants to do more, yeah? If you're not the most satisfied you've ever been and the richest you've ever been, God has more. I'm going to share a quote with you and I'm almost finished. Children are needy and dependent, and they know almost nothing about life. They function mostly on emotion rather than reason, yet Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Papa's okay with you needing him, yeah? In fact, he wants you to need him. You know what it's like when you've got a little child? And they're trying to do something. And you can see that they're so struggling with it. They're trying to get that jar open. One of my children are trying to cook scrambled eggs without burning the house down. They're trying to do their shoelaces up. And you can see they're struggling. They're like really struggling, aren't they? And you so want to step in and go, you know what? I can do that for you. I can do those shoelaces up. I can cook that meal for you. I can help you with right where you're at. Because my son Nathan's like that. He goes, no, nope, I can do it. I can do it. Don't help me. I'm just going to sit here struggling for five hours. But don't do it, mum. Don't help me. How frustrating is that? Isn't it? It's really frustrating when you're trying to help a child, but they won't let you, yeah? 
So God's saying, let me help you. God's saying, let me help you. Let me walk with you. Let me talk with you. Let me be your sufficiency. Let me be your healer. Let me be your embrace. Let me be your greatest ambassador. He's saying, let me help you. But sometimes we're like that little child that won't let him. It's so essential that we depend on Papa because it's only as we give up our self-sufficiency that he's able to richly supply all our needs. He's okay with us depending on him because we're not created. We're actually not created to be dependent on ourselves. We're not created to be self-sufficient. We're created to be God-sufficient. There's like a clicking and a joining that happens when we allow God to be our sufficiency. It's like we step into our divine makeup. It's like we step into our divine purpose. And what a relief. Isn't that a relief? I don't have to do all this on my own. I don't have to have it all together. I don't have to have all the answers. I can be messy and mixed up and I'm just loved. I'm so loved. What a relief. I remember when I became a Christian and it was a long time ago now, but I remember thinking, thank the Lord. I don't have to do this alone anymore. I don't have to walk this journey alone. I don't have to be strong on my own anymore because I now have this heavenly Father that wants to step into this place for me. God can only fully reveal his love for us and to us when we become more like little children and run to him. Luke 18 verse 16 says, let the little children come to me. Don't stop them. You know what God's saying? Don't let anything stop you from coming to me. Don't let anything get in the way of you coming to me because I'm your good, good father. Matthew 19 verse 14 says, But Jesus said, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like little children. Jesus wants us to be like little children that just run to him. And could it be that as we come to him, as we're like little children and we don't allow anything to hinder us, that there's an even deeper place to discover in him. There's like mysteries of the kingdom I reckon that he's just dying to reveal to us. There's things that he wants to show us. There's work that he wants to do in our heart. There is just incredible things that I believe God will reveal to us as we run to him like little children. Greater love, greater trust, greater freedom, secret places and hidden places. Because God loves to reveal mysteries, yeah? You know, children discover amazing, amazing treasures, don't they? Like kids find the most amazing joy in the simplest of things. I've heard parents tell stories about how they went and spent $200 on um, the most amazing toy and their child played with the box. Yeah, <laughs> that the toy came in. Not the $200 toy, but the box that the toy came in. There's kids that would pick up this rock. Little children would pick this up 
And I would be like, wow, that's amazing. Seriously? Have you seen that rock? I mean, look at this rock. Look at this rock. This rock is like out of this world. I mean, look how black that rock is. And can you see like the tiny holes in that rock? Isn't that awesome? I could like melt things and shape it into that. I mean, wow, have you seen that rock? Do you know what? I reckon when we're more like little children, that there's going to be a whole lot of revealing of joy, yeah? Like a whole lot of revealing of joy that we're going to find in the simplest of things. Amen? So we're going to pray for you this morning. Maybe, is Andrew here to play the keys? Thank you, Andrew. That would be wonderful. We're going to play the keys. And if you would like prayer, then we would love to pray for you. If you want to walk with the Lord like a little child, or if you want to walk more with the Lord like a little child, because we can always walk more with the Lord like a little child, yeah? Behaviour can always get more childish, can't it? <laughs> when you think you've seen it all, behaviour can become even more childish. Do you know what? God wants us to become even more childish in our love for him and our relationship with him as we run to him. And if you want to dream again, we want to pray for you, yeah? Because God's going to release dreams today. If you want a fresh dream a new dream, if you want to stir up a dream that God planted a whole long time ago, then come. We want to pray with you. If you, um, if you want to learn to run to God first, yeah, if you want to learn to run to God first before all the other stuff, then let's do that together, yeah? Let's pray for that. Let's believe for that. Let's just learn to run to him first before the other stuff. Let's not make him number five on the list. Yeah? Let's make him number one on the list. No matter how it looks, no matter how messy it is, he's just the father that we love to, that we run to. He's the father that embraces us. And if you want to stop being self-sufficient, <coughs> become a bit more God-sufficient, allow him to richly supply all your needs. Let's pray for those things. Let's believe God for those things. Let's just, let's take a stand today and say, you know what, this is a transformational moment. This is a God moment. I'm never going to be the same again. Never, ever, ever going to be the same again because God is all about the transformational journey. He is all about encounters and moments and times with him that actually cause permanent change. We walk away from a moment with God completely different. We can have an encounter with God and we're never the same because you know what? I used to run to a lot of other things but God has taught me and he's still teaching me to run to him first and to run to him first and to run to him first. And you know what? When I do that, the story looks so different. <laughs> the picture looks so different. He just heals and he makes whole and he loves, yeah? He is the most extraordinary father, the most extraordinary father that we could ever meet. So I'll open the altar don't be shy.
because God just wants to do a work. Should we get the worship team up or will we just play the keys? Just the keys? All right, come and we'll pray. We have beautiful elders, leaders that would love to pray for you this morning. Please feel free to come. We just want to love you. Or feel free to leave if you don't want to stay. But um, our heart is just to love you and embrace you and be the hands and the feet of Jesus extended. So please feel free and welcome to come and be prayed for and loved on this morning. Amen.